Well, hello, friends. Joining us today for this episode is a man who I have learned to never, ever, ever answer his phone calls on speakerphone. And that is Mr. John Murphy. John, how are you doing today? We, I'm, I'm well, and thank you for that rousing introduction. <laughs> well, I, I'm picturing, you know, this, this episode will go live on Monday morning, as they all do. How many people are going to be in trouble at work on Monday because they sit in the parking lot to listen to all of the episode before they go into work? And they're going to be trying oh. to explain it to their bosses. But, but John Murphy was coming through my speakers, and I just couldn't leave. I had to stay in the car. I was cha- I was channeling John Murphy. Try. Uh, I, I, will, I will endeavor to meet the highest Lee Weed standards of uh, gentlemanly conduct during this podcast. Well, I know that'll be hard for you, but I'm sure you're up to the task. I'm going to do it. All right. Well, John, tell everybody who you are. Oh, I'm just a simple boy from uptown uh, northern Michigan. Never been there, nowhere, did nothing. I uh, had some time in the military, about 10 years in the Marines. And then I rolled from that uh, into the uh, U.S. Department of Defense Intelligence Community. Uh, I'm there uh, after 15 years this past January. Uh, I've just been tooling around this past year. I'm in my RV teaching classes across this great land of ours. Uh, and uh, I'm just kind of in the tall cotton right now, Lee, in the tall cotton. Well, there you go. It's, uh, you know, I just wonder how many people just not realize when they like see the see that RV rolling down the road or park somewhere, they just don't realize that it's you. The the line that will form at your RV if people wanted to get a chance to embrace your wisdom. I've I've had to embrace the gray man approach to this. There are no markings on my RV. Uh, definitely incognito is the way to go. All right. You know, you remember in like middle school geometry class or, or some sort of high school math class. And the teacher is trying to teach you all this stuff about math. And you're like, when am I ever going to use this in real life? Did you ever have that experience? Uh, well, given my uh, failure of algebra one, <laughs> I, I, never, I'm, I, was never, I never had that particular challenge. But there are other things that I'm sure I learned that have never come into play. Uh, and it, it makes you wonder what was all that time about. Yeah, well, think back to graduate school, and there are three things that pop up that my master's degree is in public administration. I spent a lot of time in organizational theory classes, and there are things that pop up from time to time now in the firearms training world that I'm like, okay, I didn't equate that to what I was going to be doing later on in life, but I wish I had put those pieces together at the start of this journey. Uh, one of those was the discussion of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, you know, as, as our friend Carl Rim put in a nice piece of writing where he explained the, the um, beyond the 1%. So when you named your RV, it immediately told me what, what it meant. It, it, it meant what it, what it means. And Maslow, uh, <laughs> there is a hierarchy of needs. Uh, at the very bottom, the, the bottom rung, as it were, are base needs, uh, food, shelter, water, things of that nature. Then you have human interaction. Uh, you move up to the very top, you've got uh, what Maslow referred to as self-actualization. And actually, that's what this RV has afforded me, is uh, finally, during the, the last, the, the twilight years of my life, the golden years coming quickly, I can finally get around the country and start doing what I was kind of born to do. And that is teaching people things that they need to know to take care of themselves. Uh, beyond 
a, a uh, ballistic solution, as particularly. You need more than just the gun. Yep. I remember one night in, in a org theory class, the professor, and this would have been 2003-ish, 2004-ish. I remember the professor is talking about decision-making models. And he said, oh, yeah, there's, there's, just, there's just one that's like just recently become known in the text. And it, it's coming out of a professor from US UCLA named Gary Klein, and it's recognition prime decision-making. And I looked up the book tonight, and the book that Klein first published this was 1998. And so this was kind of on the cusp of it still being brand new. And I listened to his discussion, and he, you know, couched the decision-making model in terms of firefighters. And I made note of it back then, and I've, you know, seen it work out in the public safety field time and time and time again. And then I see your class and that gummit, you're doing recognition prime decision making in your classes. So tell everybody what you do. Sure, absolutely. I, I came into it uh, and, and I backed into it years ago. I had a class in my range at my range in Culpeper, had a couple in the class. And uh, Erica, at the time, I had my presentation to incorporate surveillance videos or dash cam or whatever I had of criminal or violent events in order to illustrate what it looks like before and during and after it happens. And after the presentation, uh, Erica walked up to me and she said, I very much appreciate your incorporation of recognition prime decision modeling in your classes. And I said, well, yes, yes. I was particularly informed by Jones. Uh, Erica is a cognitive neuroscientist. I had no idea that there was such a thing that existed. It just made sense to me. And what I like to do uh, is I have a video series through my, on my YouTube channel of, of events because these things that we get involved with, there are certain patterns that erupt consistently. And my goal is to get people to recognize that pattern as early on as they can because that opens up uh, opportunities for decisions, either disengagement, uh, create distance, or appropriate weaponeering, I'll call it, be it uh, verbal, okay, man, get back, pepper spray or something more decisive it's recognition prime decision modeling and the thing is lee that our minds don't really recognize the difference between our experience uh in reality and what we've what we've absorbed by observation so i'm not the guy that you come to to take a half a second off your draw stroke uh i i like to think i'm the guy that you come to that gives you three or four seconds heads up that you've got something developing in front of you and you need to take positive decisive action yeah uh, for for the audience what dr klein basically put into words was you know as you learn the patterns you can begin to anticipate the outcomes and you can there's like three different variations of the model and one of them is you playing if then games if this happens then yeah. this is this is my response and then the others is you know you've got pre-programmed responses and when you see the stimuluses you just break out right into that response and i mentioned firefighters a second ago and that was one of the things you know a veteran fireman can step off the truck on the scene of a fire instantly look at the the, the scene and he knows or she knows exactly what they've got going and what their response needs to be you know, based on the flames or based on the smoke, what might be on fire or what their hazards are. And 
what you're doing is showing people those patterns that emerge and there are patterns certainly are uh 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 sketchy behavior uh the uh trying to achieve proximity either by direct movement or by negotiation uh people that don't look right and by not look right people have been, who have been subjected to street violence over over the course of their lives well they're gonna be a little bit a little bit different than we are uh and that's one end of it the other end of it is conflict and people that normally think you would have a problem with well what are they saying and doing this guy looks right but he ain't right and we have to recognize that dial in the the appropriate uh, of a of a suite of responses we have a uh, a spectrum of potential situations all the way from pleasant exchange of hello how do you do uh up to give it up or i'm going to kill you right now and all points in between uh, the majority of our time, we're down here in the green zone. Uh, polite exchange, and then we have a little bit of a yellow zone, uh, perhaps an aggressive panhandler. And then we move up into orange. If I, I'll, I'll kind of cut default a bit to a Cooper's color coding of this, and then we got red, and we have to have a dial all the way up and down that spectrum. We can take it up, we can take it back down. If uh, if it's a space proximity issue. Hey, man, would you back up a little bit? Well, if we get compliance, okay, we can dial down a bit. Okay, look, I cannot help you. Uh, um, or, or leave me alone, things of that nature. I'm not a big fan of saying, you know, uh, thanks. Now, what do you want? I don't, I don't particularly care what this person wants. Uh, I, want, I want to go about my way. Uh, we have to have that dial, and then we also have to have that big red button. That if, if we get the, the correct input, we have to be able to mash that button, and uh, that is the the gravest consequence button. Essentially, I mean, we're coming out of the holster for serious business, but we have to have that ability to do that. Uh, we we can scale up, or we can go right to the big to the big red button. Uh, I know you like to use a lot of video in training, and I probably get what, seven or eight videos from you a day sometimes. Uh, you know, at least a week, or you're constantly, you know, scouring for more material. About how much time do you spend studying this? Oh, uh, an hour and a half a day or so, two hours a day. The the the, the, the streams are pretty obvious. Uh, you can just go to local newscast. Uh, someone just sent me a a police department surveillance video from Houston. It was a parking lot, very high end SUV. And a guy was faced with an encroachment problem. And he did nothing to stop dude from, from, from gaining proximity. Got, got beat up really bad. Got shook down. The guy took his keys and, uh, and he drove off. Bam. Uh, just, just that quickly. Uh, other things I, I'm looking out for now, I'm seeing a lot of uh, interactions with dogs. Uh, people have got to understand what, what dogs are doing. Is it that the wiggle butt, like, oh, my God, another person? Or is that snarl? Uh, head up or head down, that crouch moving forward. You. Uh, someone sent me a video of a guy that uh, essentially beat two bull, two dogs that had treat, they put him, they treated him on top of, a, of an SUV. He had a board. And it was a long-running fight. He ended up taking these dogs out. But uh, the average person, if you don't see that, how that canine is behaving, you, you got to cool into that. Is that the happy dog or is that the dog is going territorial 
Or is that the dog that's decided that you're looking like a pretty tasty meal? You can apply the same thing to the human animal. Uh, you've mentioned the term encroachment problem a couple of times. Could you explain to the audience what that is? Sure. If you think about uh, when we're out and about, we have our, 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 our space, our public space, you know, 20, 25 feet. And then we have our, our, our private space. We're coming in now. Then we have, have our intimate space. If someone is determined to encroach upon your space, that is what I term an encroachment problem. Uh, and I'll also say this, movement is eloquent communication. You may have a dichotomy of someone saying, hey, uh, I, I don't mean to hurt you. I don't mean to hurt you. They mean to close the gap to you. What their mouth is saying, there's a big difference between what, what, what their mouth is saying and what they're actually doing. Uh, is it you that uses the phrase movement associated with your arrival? Uh, I actually got that from a guy, and I, I've used it. I, uh, I will borrow. I borrowed uh, one of the guys I, I believe held me upon is uh, Kelly McCann. Okay. And I took I took a class from him in 2003, which was seminal in my development. Uh, and it was movement associated with your arrival under the scene. I mean, you are now the new the new element, and how how when your when your atom arrives, how all the other atoms react, that tells a story. Uh, if people are leaning back. And then you see them come off the wall. That's a thing. Yes, it is. If, if, if people are uh, moving and then reorient on you, that's a thing. If you're getting that, that up and down stare, like, okay, he is, he is taking inventory and he's, he's assessing. Uh, wh what is this guy about? He is, he is thin slicing me. And that's a term I got from our friend Greg Lefrex. You, you, know, you look at things, you, you can kind of thin slice it. Uh, you take in, and we use our our uh, our history, our experience, to gain a, gain a measure of a of a situation or a person. This person is or is not a threat, or this person is a question mark, and needs more study. Uh, but absolutely, things that happen when you arrive. We got from William April, another another name I'll drop. The departed William gone far too soon. Uh, we are all constantly broadcasting. Uh, where we are, who we're with, how we're dressed, what we're doing. We are broadcasting to the world, and we need to be aware of people who are who are receiving that signal with ill intent. Yeah, I guess another way the audience could, could think of this is if they are moving purposely to make contact with you, that would be a signal. That's You mentioned the, the guy leaned against the wall and coming in my classes, I call him dude. And I, you know, I, I do the international. My boy, you need to rob somebody's stance and show them how they come off the wall. Another one would be, if you're walking through a parking lot and a person gets out of the car and they orient and move towards you, not towards the front of the store. Oh, that's that's a huge one uh, because you are the store. Yeah, you are you are the ATM. You are you are the potential contact. If this person watched, it could be a shakedown. Uh, I had a guy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, hey, I'm trying to get to Charlottesville. And I'm like, uh, well, the highway is back over there, pal. And he, no, 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 I need money. <laughs> we, we had that feeling. I knew what he wanted up front. But uh, the highway is back, buddy. You know, uh, I'm sorry I can't help you. And then I, then I gave him a Merry Christmas. You know, it was even before Thanksgiving, a little bit seasonally inappropriate, but he went on his way. All right. Yeah, I guess one other thing the audience could, could take into account here is, Sometimes these are very ambiguous at the start. 
And what you need to do is remove ambiguity. So if you see that person that's kind of fixates on you and starts moving towards you, change your path. And if they reorient and change to again make contact with you, we've removed exactly. a lot of the ambiguity from the equation. They are oriented on you. What I'll use in my class, that exact analogy of situation, even more, if I put an obstacle between me and dude, and dude negotiates an obstacle, he is telling you eloquently that he intends to establish proximity to you for whatever he has in mind. And whatever he has in mind isn't going to be good for, for us, either all the way from a simple shakedown for, hey, can I have a couple bucks, to uh, to that to a strong arm or, or even an armed robbery scenario. I, mean, I like to maintain that separation with people. Yeah. I want people to understand, too, that the criminal element right now is emboldened. I don't want to delve into all the politics behind that, but the political, the criminal element is extremely emboldened right now because they don't foresee any consequences, real consequences whatsoever to their actions. And like to most of us, spending 30 days in jail will be a life-changing experience because their job may not be waiting for us when we get out, et cetera. To that element, you are their job. That's you are how they get paid and doing 30 days in jail till their case comes up in front of a judge to get released on time served. That's just like paying the electric bill for us. Next cost to doing business. Mm -hmm. uh, so the best we can do is, is not look right to them. Uh, that not look right thing cuts both ways. Uh, if we all borrow from our friend, Tamara Keel, if we look like work, then we can be deselected. Uh, but we want to do that in a manner that we're not challenging. We can't walk around staring at people like this, you know, wolf staring people, because now, now you are throwing down another marker that you might, you might find someone like, what the hell are you looking at, kind of thing. And then, as I'll say, we have just strummed the first chord of doing banjos. And we've all seen the movie, and we all know how that ends up. We want to avoid that, if at all possible. Uh, there is there's so much more nuance to be an effective armed citizen than just strapping on that gun and burning down those bhs at 25 yards yeah. a lot more to it if, if we sh we should be actively seeking to not have to employ that final the, the last resort All right. so know, the, please um you know part of the recognition prime decision making model is that you have options and it's one thing to recognize the patterns and understand what is happening, but then you have to have action. Right. Uh, appropriately scaled action, right. which is kind of what has driven the, the curriculum of my flagship class, Street and Counter Skills and Tactics. Uh, it starts off with a five-hour video view ahead. Uh, and I discuss decision-making under stress, the decision tree, there's a, one, of the, one of the videos is criminal assault pre-incident indicators. And we, I front load all that. And I've, I've just recently added more video to that. Uh, I, I now add stop the bleeding. Normally, I, I had that as part of a Saturday morning lecture. Uh, it would be a kind of a catch-up presentation. And then spray, then stop the bleeding, then we would roll into hard skills. Uh, the class now is we just you watch the videos beforehand. And then you show up, I usually, your pepper spray trainers, your trauma kit, and we roll into hard skills. 
We have to have a suite of skills to respond to that suite of, of uh, spectrum of, of potential situations. Uh, and we, we also have to have the capacity to deal with the, the, the branches and sequels and consequences. And among them will be, well, decontamination from pepper spray, because as you as you know well know that can become a you know a, a, a team sport really quickly. We have to have the ability to stop bleeding, uh, and I just I discussed tourniquets and pressure dressings. Next year I'll be discussing chest seals as well. That's all part of the the, the workup. And then we have to integrate that skills with our mind and our mouth. We have to be able to say the right thing throughout the whole thing, all the way from "Hey man, stop right there." to potentially maybe a draw to the ready, get back, uh, or post-incident officer, I, I will render this statement, and now I wish to see, I render the statement, and now I wish to speak to attorney and invoke my Fifth Amendment rights. And then, then you have a whole other thing, it's just, it's a, like a peanut onion, really. And there's, there are a lot of tears to be had with the wrong action at the wrong time. Right. And you know, the situation is, I refer to it like as a wheel of justification, mm. is you may at one instance be completely justified in using deadly force, and that wheel turns, and now you're not, and then the wheel turns again, well, now you were again, and then now you're not, and yeah, you know, you use peeling the onion as a, as a term, I hate onions, so I'm not going to use onions as anything okay. as a term, unless it's something bad. But it's, the, it's that constantly rolling wheel of ambiguous to unambiguous, back to ambiguous to go, no go, escape. And then one thing that I think you should get much, much, much praise for, you may find yourself in a go, but at a certain point, go has the turn to stop. And you were one of the few trainers that I know of that actually trains that. Uh, it, it, it's when you look at the, the the problem, the mission analysis. That if if we're going to be employing these levels of force on people, there there is going to be a point at which we're we're justified, and then at point at, at which we are no longer justified. And there has to be a, a form of a methodology to train that. I've happened into one that seems to be working pretty well, uh, and, it, and it ties into stoplights colors, green and red. Uh, but, and we also have to be able to articulate if we, if we, uh, if we've worked on an amber, we have to be able to articulate to, uh, first the police and then the prosecutor and then possibly to a, to a jury that I was acting within the, within the, the, the things that had transpired beyond the realm of my capacity as a human being to respond to them. Uh, once I've issued the fire command. Uh, well, I'll even use this as, as an example. I figure if you have a 1.25 second time to, to draw to, to get your first best shot, a lot can happen in that 1.25 seconds before that bullet leaves that barrel. A lot can happen. Yep. And uh, if you are not able to articulate why, why the things that occurred, he, this guy acted beyond, the, he put me beyond my capacity as a human being to, to, to deflect from this course of action he, he had sent me on. And the results still are, are, are with him. 
Uh, but that is a thing that not many people, they don't have the capacity or the, the means by which to train that. And consequently, I, I think it's kind of a niche I'm filling in the training industry. You know, I had been searching for a way to, to address that very problem. And then I saw how you addressed it. And I'm like, well, if John thought of this, how come I didn't? Well, you're, you're not imbued with a certain inalienable genius that I undeniable. I, mean, I, I it, was just, it just came to me one day in a class. I was teaching in, uh, at, at, uh, in, in uh, Indiana, and I was using a CERT pistol for it. And the CERT pistol I had, well, it was a red or green laser. All in all, one little trigger. I'm like, oh, hey, oh, everyone, we're going to do this now for a second. And I hate to admit that I, I, I kind of broke into that in a, in a moment of flash in a class because I don't like to experiment with a class. But that, at that particular moment, I, I, I ran with it, and it's worked out quite well. Uh, you mentioned that 1.25 to your best first shot. I think another one of the failings of our community is – People think that draw to that shot that that one shot is going to instantaneously stop. Ooh. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird juxtaposition because you get the people that they'll argue about the ineffectiveness of pistol rounds, but then they want to tie everything to this draw speed, and uh, that's going to instantaneously stop a problem. Yep, I because it, it, it looks really sexy on Instagram. Yeah, and and then we as trainers we have to take that you know, on the other back end of that problem is uh, if I run a bunch of three and four shot drills in my class, suddenly the ammunition expenditure has gone up. So what I've kind of done is segment that thing out. And I've, used, I've, I've started using your, your term, you know, uh, is uh, it, it's not a one shot drill, it's a first shot drill. And we have to get that, I call it the first best shot. You gotta get that down. I borrowed that uh, terminology. And like everything else I borrow, the first four or five times I get back to vision, and then it kind of like fades away. And they're like, oh, yes, one day I just had the stroke of genius. Now I call it, you know, it's a, it's a first shot drill. Uh, and then we, I, then we introduce further shooting problems. I got recoil control uh, issues to lock in. We got to get that whole, the whole upper body into the program. Uh, and also we have to recognize that we, we are shooting not just for mass, but particular organs within that mass. Because pistols are pretty darn wimpy, which is another a part of them, which I, I have borrowed. Yep. And along that same line of thinking, or the same questioning, I guess maybe a better way to phrase that. If I pull out my pepper spray and I spray someone, are they immediately going to be this big pile of ash where they no. internally combust it and it's all over and done with? You're, I think I think what you're going to see again is a, a, a spectrum of potential response. Uh, some people will look, oh my God, this is a novel thing. I've never had this before. And they'll, they will in fact curl up my face is on fire. I quit to sometimes it takes that magic agent three, four seconds or more up to maybe five for those neurotransmitters and the mucous membranes to start reporting, hey, I'm on fire. And your face is on fire right now. And that for that to, to register. Uh, and then you've got some people that just won't care because this is not their first time they've, they've had their face on fire. And if those people are able to touch you at that point, the fact that their eyes are involuntarily closed no longer matters. They have a physical index on you, and now you are in a grapple fight. And uh, I've learned a lot from Chuck Hager, and he had a training partner. 
his big trick was to grab you by the ears and pull you in and rub the misery all over your face. So uh, pepper spray is yet another tool, but it cannot be looked at upon as the magic sword that, that is going to dissuade someone from harming you. Uh, the best we can hope for, I think, is a severe degradation of their ability to harm you, not necessarily their willingness to do so. Yeah. Just like with people being shot and I think people being sprayed, it's going to be the same thing. You're going to see some people immediately psychologically quit. And to some people, that's the switch that they're just going to fight till the end, right at that point in time. You've just gone pit bull. Yeah. Uh, now, one advantage for the private citizen over the cop in that scenario is that, you know, in my world, every time we sprayed somebody, we were obligated to further yeah. engage with them. And that led to a lot of cross contamination. But for the private citizen, you know, when you spray, don't stand stand there and wait around to see if it works and which response you're going to get from them. Yeah, you know, once you've deployed, that's your cue to exit stage right. Get out of dodge. Uh, my, my 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 view, my my teaching right now that is uh, apply, create space, get a quick assessment. Did this actually work? And then, or is it starting to work? And then leave. But you got it's got to be Johnny the spot. I want to get that 15 feet ready anyway. Uh, as this person. Has, or if it continues to crash on me, well, now I have a whole other problem. Uh, if, it, if it continues to close, now it's going to the grapple. And, uh, and, and that cross-contamination is a severe, severe issue there. But, but my big concern, though, after application, I don't want to necessarily turn my back on someone and bad moves. Uh, I guess uh, one, I, 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 I moment. Yeah, one thing we should probably discuss here, too, is there's a large segment of the criminal element that will not be impressed with the fact that you're pointing a gun at them. Oh, no. Uh, there was just a case in Memphis. I, sh- I sent you the video, the altercation with the mm-hmm. security guard. Uh, the guy, the, the security guard was completely aimed in, and the guy continued to close. In my own personal experience, I, uh, I drew down on a, a gentleman in, in Somalia with my, with my Beretta, he was armed with an AK at, at uh, low ready. And I pointed that pistol with as much malevolence as I have, which is, is considerable. And uh, he was utterly, utterly impressed um, with my pistol. In fact, he did the most disconcerting thing he could have done, Lee. He smiled at me. I was ready for anything other than that. But no, no, you know, silly man. We're, we're in Mogadishu now, and we point guns at each other by way of saying hello all day. Utterly unimpressed. Uh, I've watched uh, documentaries on uh, violence in Atlanta, and it was an uh, ER. And a, a kid had been shot, uh, fleeing felon arm, was shot in the back by the police. And they got the kid on the table, and he's coding out. So the doctor thought, well, I'm going to open heart massage. They cut him open. His rib cage was stapled together from the last time he was shot by the police. Uh, I guess he, he was inoculated. I don't know. But, but there is a, a large segment of society will be utterly unimpressed. Also, as we saw in that case from Texas a couple weeks ago, the guy introduced a, a firearm into the scenario and drew down on the guy with, with a, a pistol caliber carbine through and he closed the distance. He, I mean, it was not, he was unimpressed. The people can get lost in the moment and uh, their, their ego starts writing checks. 
Yeah, I've seen more than once. You know, I've been there when it personally happened where guns were pointed at people, verbal commands are being given, and they start daring the people with the guns pointed. Just go ahead and shoot me. Go ahead and shoot me. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sure there are instances of the same thing happening with pepper spray. Oh, certainly. Uh, When you spray me, so what? So what? Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I have never seen anybody do anything like that with is is a actually barking trained canine, like a police dog. They believe you will turn that dog loose on them. They don't believe necessarily you're going to tase them. They don't necessarily believe that you're going to shoot them. They'll dare you to do that. I have never seen anyone, and I'm sure somebody's going to respond with an instance, dare the cops to turn the dog loose. Yeah, there, there is a uh, fur-bearing fang missile with its own with its own will expressing its desire to, to sink teeth in your butt that that's a serious serious message absolutely uh, uh you've briefly touched on skill for for a second there and i kind of like to circle back around to that um what skills do you think are needed as far as the firearm uh what point what should be you be focusing on uh when should you start focusing on other things let me, let me explain that. I think we have to have skills are coming in two flavors. There's the uh, the hard skills of uh, you know uh, employing you know uh, pepper spray, the hard skill of, 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 a, of a draw stroke in 1.45 seconds, whatever. Uh, the skills of inter- integrating a flashlight with your pistol, the hard skills, tactics, essentially hard skills, and that's a tactic is using well, kind of a kind of a gray area there. But the ability to do to inflict action upon someone, that's a kind of a hard skill. And that's what our industry sells. We we love doing that because we can go we fault the shot timer and holy cow, you know, we can do XYZ. I can quantify what I can do with that pistol. I can shoot an FBI qual course and shoot a 98. And now I have a, a stamp and I can I, I maybe have some bragging rights or not, or I shot a match and here's here's how I stacked up. And there's a lot of value to that. There really is. Uh, the downside is a lot of the drills that we do, uh, it becomes an Instagram race, an Instagram arms race, as it were. Uh, I, years ago, the thing was uh, the, the FAST, the Formulas Accuracy, Accuracy and Speed Test from Todd Green. Going, again, another guy going far had a profound impact. Well, it's, you know, five yards or uh four shots to the chest, reload to the head, five seconds is ninja master level. You got you that have, backwards. It's two shots to the head, reload, four right. to the chest. You're right. I'm sorry. You're right. I, I had the, the both. Yeah, the, 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 yeah <laughs> you're quite right. Well, I, I had to interject because the hate mail would have been Thank coming. I, 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 and they're firing up right now. As I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, right. two, two, two to that box and four to the chest. Uh, and then you'd have guys that go to the range. Man, that's all they would do. All they would do. And they get all warmed up, and then they turn the camera on, burn, burn, burn it down, and go, oh, yeah, that's, that's me in my worst moment. Pull that one off. So those are the hard skills, and we love them, and we chase, we chase that. Well, then there's a soft skill, which I think is uh, supplementary, if not uh, of like, can you walk into a room and get, get a judge of what's happening in that room? Uh, is there a problem in that room that you're walking into? Can you say to someone, hey, hey, can I ask you a question? You know, would you back up a little bit, please, without setting them off in such a fashion? Because you don't want to necessarily unnecessarily antagonize someone, but you want to maintain that that boundary. 
And these are supplementary ancillary skills, which will mesh with the hard skills. And that, that is it's much, a much more holistic approach that I'm trying to achieve. Uh, and they just yank the gun out and, and go to work. Uh, I, if I can buy some, some legal and social goodwill of being seen as the guy that was trying to, trying to like de-escalate and back away from the situation, that is a soft skill that can set me up for success. Uh, a, I get to go home without having to hurt anybody. I may have to swallow my pride, limit my ego a bit, but I'm going home. That's my primary mission. Uh, if I can achieve that, uh, to, to win without fighting is the epitome of skill. If I can borrow a little Sun Tzu there. Uh, or on the other hand, if it comes down to it, having the, the, con- the conscious confidence and competence that I know I can pull a pistol out in about 1.2 seconds and deliver some pretty high mass hitch on someone at, at five yards. Or if I have to, I can crush into the, into the, into the, into the, you know, into the merging, the clutch into the tangle. Uh, uh, it's, uh, the, the, but the blending of hard and soft skills is kind of what we're shooting for. And the industry does a fine job because you know of, of hard skills marketing and, and, and pursuing that because that's kind of what people want. Uh, we know in our, our in our hierarchy of instructors, we've got the, mil- the, the, the special mission military guys out there, and they fill classes regularly because they're exceptional shooters. Many of them are exceptional instructors. But the world they live in, uh, they've got the full faith and credit on the United States government behind them when they blow up a, a wall to go into a room under night vision and kill everybody. In our world, if we even show a pistol in public, we had better be completely justified. Uh, so the emphasis on that, that draw to, you know, for our first best shot, that first, you know, and people will teach uh, a forced, a four count draw stroke. Well, to my, in my world, there's a fifth count. And that is the decision to employ that pistol. And a lot of, a lot of these classes will, will wave over it like, uh, or we're assuming, um, I'm going to fairy dust this one, the decision to shoot has already been made. Well, wait a minute there, buckaroo. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot that's going to have to inform that decision because I'm going to be subjected to severe scrutiny at the end, as a result. And I've got to be able to articulate absolute justification. Uh, you mentioned earlier the ambiguity bit. Uh, a, a, a term I got from Craig Douglas, and I will not hesitate, to, to say that I, and he was also in the very poor capacity to sift through that ambiguity and to arrive at a reasonable, at, at a decision point with enough time and space and options left where I, I've got something to do that, uh, other than either I can utterly justify the shot or justify the pepper spray or justify the verbal command of, hey, get the hell back at all points in between. You know, you used a phrase uh, earlier, uh, getting to go home. And, you know, it, it's one of the things that, that just amuses me about cop shows and, and movies and everything is they have all these right. uses of force and they lock people up. And then five minutes later, they're back out on the beat as if nothing else ever happened. 
you know, oh. it, I don't think it will be very entertaining to show the three hours writing the report and the getting up in the in the middle of your night because you work night shift and courts held in during the day and going and sitting outside of a courtroom waiting for five hours to get called in to testify only for the prosecutor to walk out. You know, we're not going to need your testimony. You know, that kind of thing. Or the case is being continued or whatever. Well, for the private citizen, you're not getting to go home maybe hours at the station being interrogated. It may be sitting in jail several days until you get a bond hearing because you got arrested. And that's consequences that people need to think about before they employ. It's not going to be, oh, well, the cops are going to show up on the scene. Everything's going to be fine. They're going to send me along my merry way. Yep. That may not be uh, the case. That probably won't be the case. Uh, as you're abundantly aware, I, I started these instances quite a bit. And uh, if, if, you, if you have even uh, drawn to a right addition of verbal command, well, it, was that justified? Because you've used force on someone uh, in my former state, Commonwealth of Virginia, that would be called brandishing. Unless you, I got various other states have various other other laws, various terms, but meaning the same thing. You have, uh, you have threatened someone with serious bodily death or serious bodily harm, and you better be able to justify that. And oh, there's going to be some questions, and all the techniques will come into play. Uh, so where are you from? Hey, how was your day going? And oh, by the way, look, uh, I'm on your side, pal. I really am. I need to, I need you to tell me what, what really happened. Uh, and all, and and you're gonna, we're gonna be here until until you do. Okay, I invoke my Fifth Amendment right. I I want my lawyer. Well, that's fine. You can just sit over there, and uh, we'll wait for your lawyer to show up. Oh, look, it's the Fourth of July weekend, and the judge won't be back until Tuesday, so you're gonna have a chance to make some really some new friends there in the slammer. Uh, the other thing people don't don't consider is that you have a, you get one phone call. Uh, and, that's kind of a Hollywood myth. Hollywood, well, you, you, your communications are going to be limited, yeah. are going to be, and they're certainly going to be monitored. So if you if you have a limited opportunity, you better have one number memorized that you can call when you call that person. Like, hey, I'm in the thing. I need you to activate that plan we discussed, and that will should trigger a full cascade of events on your behalf. Uh, some people had the pre uh, prepaid legal uh, funds. And I will call my alert. Well, that's great. Do they know to call your spouse or your kids or someone else? Uh, hey, I'm jammed up. Uh, who's going to take care of your dog while you're while you're in the pokey? That, that, that's something that needs to, needs to come into play. There, there are there are branches and sequels to this event, which most people do not consider that I've, I, that I've tried to incorporate into my class. And and, and even then, I, I face security at a time like everyone else. There is only so much I can show in the two full days, and then now a five-hour video view ahead. Uh, and then people have to to uh, to expand, the, the, uh, allocate time appropriately to not to the before, the during, and the the after event. As you pointed out, there are consequences that are not even remotely on the radar screen that are coming to play the second that pistol comes in, comes out. Or the pepper spray is employed. Uh, there are some municipalities, well, states. Some I taught classes up in New Hampshire. Someone sent me a, a case from Massachusetts where a guy rightfully used pepper spray. 
and he might as well have used sulfuric acid on that guy. He was subjected to the full, the full uh, pageantry of the legal the, of the legal system up there, and he was put through a ringer. Uh, I, I'm fine with saying I'm, I'm sure I'm not the first. Sometimes the process is the punishment. Yep. Uh, uh, I know I'm not gonna, I'm not going to convict this guy, but I'm going to bankrupt him, and I'm going to make his life six months. There are lots and lots and lots of crimes committed in the United States in which the person is actually arrested that the only punishment they got was the ride to the jail and having to sit in the in the courthouse. I mean, she's been sitting in the jail until they get bonded out and then having to show back up for court. Right. That's it. But there's also a lot of times where you get drugged through the ringer for two, three years having your life just completely turned upside down. You know, there's been a high-profile incident of late uh, out of Wisconsin where that happened. Uh, just the complete grinder of everything that's going to that could go wrong goes wrong. And, and that's a fine example. And then let's let's look at the, the worst case scenario. You're convicted. Yep. In your mind, you're utterly justified. All right. And then you're you're convicted. Your defense fails, and a jury of your peers convicts you. And that can be five years in the pokey. And you, you, that, you broke that, up for a second there. Uh, that, that kicks off the appellate process. And that can mean you're sitting in prison for five years. Uh, and that's if they decide to hear your case. You can be denied. Boom. Your, your appeal. Nope, nope. This is this is good. You're, you, you've, you bought the ride. You're buying the full sentence. Uh, yeah. I, with, I, with, with that, I think people have this notion that if procedures are violated say by the prosecutor or whatever that the judge is going to immediately stop in and throw the flag and whoa 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 stop you know that's not allowed whatever that's not necessarily going to be the case and if the defense attorney does not object at the time that it happens then that that issue cannot be legally appealed we we uh we just saw that take place during the rittenhouse trial and uh, I, I can think of two occasions that the judge stopped the proceedings, dismissed the jury, and then proceeded to rip the bejeans out of the prosecutor. Uh, one time in particular, the prosecutor made, made mention that Rittenhouse, well, this is the first time that we've heard you tell the story. And the judge stopped, stopped <laughs> the, the trial, dismissed the jury, and then he said, he, the man invoked his Fifth Amendment right. That has been established law in this country for, since Miranda. That's coming up on 50 plus years. You know, essentially, what the hell were you thinking? And then and the, the prosecutor's like, well, I thought you cracked open the door. Oh, no, my good sir. And then there was other times when they introduced evidence uh, that had not, been had not been shared with the defense. or had, It was just a debacle. Uh, I took Masada Yub's class in July of 2020. Lethal force instructor, and but we held a moot court in the class, and before the course, the class, the court rather, uh, Moss laid out I forget number ten or twelve, you know things that prosecutors will do. If I had turned that list into a drinking game during the Rittenhouse trial, I'd have been passed out. They they did everything that he warned of, and there are in fact malicious unethical prosecutors out there that that that, that can hold sway over a jury. Uh, in this particular case, the, the jury saw through. I mean, the, the video evidence was compelling, regardless of how they 
zoomed in and added pixels or zoomed out or withheld uh, and 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 the, and the, the uh, a right righteous verdict was was rendered we may not ha- always have that and you think about this Rittenhouse had a a primo defense team and the eyes of the entire country upon that case and they still pulled that bs uh if 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 it's just murphy in here in homestead florida goes down that pathway no one else is going to care yeah we were talking before we we started recording you mentioned an incident i believe it was in washington state or oregon oregon yep uh I, the, uh, a guy invites someone over to his house to watch the Super Bowl. And this guy's family goes to bed. It's getting late. Hey, I'm going to go to bed when the guy is drunk up. He's a mean drunk when he gets drunk up. And an attempted sexual assault and violence occurred. The guy secured the family shotgun, uh, killed, killed the dude. Uh, and then subsequently to that was subjected. It, it, was, you know, it was wintertime in a cold state. They take him down to the, to the station house in his PJs, no, no, no shoes or socks, and they, they hold him there while he's drunk, and they start questioning him. Uh, and, and all I'm saying, police officers and police agencies are going to be a box of chocolates, and you don't know what you're going to get. And if you, if you cop an attitude, well, pardon the, the, well then, they, then we start playing doing just the guy actually eventually, hey, I want my lawyer. Well, hey, that's great. I, ha- I have just a few more preliminary questions to ask. Preliminary. What, what was the name of the guy? And he, he came, all right. Well, when it came to the appellate, uh, and it, was, it was five years to get to the appellate review, uh, five years in prison. Okay, we'll give you another trial. And uh, it, was just, it was just a nightmare, utterly a nightmare. The guy was eventually... Uh, in that particular state, uh, it, 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 it took, I forget the number of jurors to hold out to, to get a, a conviction uh, reversed. And uh, this guy, he had 10, to, 10 reverse and two to uphold the conviction, and he got out of the jail, out of, out of prison. But his wife, his wife divorced him, lost his job, lost all his savings, uh, and now, now he just... You know, he's looking to, you know, to file malicious prosecution suits. Yeah, and I want to make sure to point out here, too, that there may not be malice involved. There could be incompetence involved, and there Uh-oh. could, as far as, as far as the state's case, and there just may also be where stuff slips through cracks and just uh, unintentional human error. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting there thinking of one case in which I was the investigator on, and it was not a deadly force case. It was a, a, a fight in which one person was was injured um, enough that there was actually needing to be an investigation involved. And it gets to like the morning of the trial, and I mentioned something, and the prosecutor said, "What? What? What do you mean?" And I said, right. Uh, the the interview you watched the video from the interview right yes the interview was recorded oh absolutely yeah yeah (laughs) um yes the interview was recorded um perhaps you might want to go watch that interview before we go into that courtroom in there and and embark upon a series of questions 
And, you know, that was, and I don't necessarily want to say that's incompetence because it could have just been the fact that that guy, how many cases was he in charge of prosecuting? Uh, overwhelmed. Uh, I had a student here uh, in this past year, a uh, great kid. He was a Golden Gloves boxer. And uh, he's, at a, he's working in a mall in a, in a cell phone store. And at close, there is a conflict between him and a coworker over brace, brace, over a woman. And uh, I, I know it's never happened before. You know, the face lost a thousand ships. No, no, never happened. Well, uh, my guy's like, hey, I, I don't want, I'm not interested in her, in her at all. I, I don't want this. Oh, no, I shall, I shall prove my true worth and love to her. I want to pick a fight with you. Like, I'm a boxer. I'm, I'm going to mess you up really bad. And he kept backing up. Well, finally, he, had, he, threw the, he threw the blow. And you know, a boxer, they all just throw like every ounce of their being is behind that, that blow. Clip the kid in the jaw, uh, knocked teeth out, broke the nose, and fractured the superorbital ridge, the, uh, the eye socket. The police arrived. Wow, he's beat up pretty bad. You must be a bad guy. And uh, he, he got jammed up really hard. And oh, I got a little battery. Hang on a second. Oh, my God. <laughs> this brief interlude brought to you by FPF Training. There you go. My jet pack is charging. And I'm back. This is going to go over great in, in the reviews, I'm sure. Uh, so you must be the bad guy. We're going we're to charge you with all kinds of, uh, of, of nefarious stuff. And uh, he's, he is subjected to the full force of law enforcement for months. Lost his job, lost a bunch of friends, until finally one day he's having a, a lunch with a guy that worked in a store, a store across from him. The guy said, you know, sometimes when it's really slow, we watch that video when you, from when you punch that guy. Oh, really? I'd yep. like that video if I could, please. It was utterly exculpatory, and no one thought to go across the way to look. Which is why I advocate if you find yourself in a jam or in, a, in a situation, hire your own investigator because it might, those cops can be just swamped. And it's very easy to look at a situation and just toss it into a bin. And if you're in that bin, it's, it's bad news. You know, that's the world we're in now. You got to presume that everything is recorded. And, you know, the guys that I work with would have gone around to every possible vantage point in other place asking, uh, you know, do you have a yep. camera? What angle does it get does it get this incident? Um, that may not always be the case, though. People may not know to do that kind of thing. Uh, we had a murder case in which we went to every convenience store and bank along the route from where the murder took place to where... Um, a key piece of evidence and the murder was discovered and we have the offender at multiple points along that path that we piece together with you know different surveillance from this convenience store from this bank from whatever and the the piece of evidence that was discovered was the victim's car which he was towing on a trailer behind his truck and ditched in another unbe- unbeknownst to him. Unbeknownst <laughs> to him, I was telling I had no idea yeah. how I was back there. <laughs> yeah. How did her car get on my get on my yeah. trailer? And uh and it's kind of just a funny thing. I'll just dive off into war story for just a second. 
two investigators that were working the case went to meet with someone from another agency who had information uh, not necessarily regarding this suspect. It was actually about something else. And they met in the Lowe's home improvement store parking lot because it was a convenient meeting spot for them to do. And they're sitting there talking. One investigator's getting that information. The other investigator goes, hey, isn't that the car we're looking for sitting right there? Isn't that the victim's car? And they just happened to meet in the parking lot where the suspect had dropped the victim's car. How happenstance and chances of that? Yeah, that was just good police work. They, yeah, they knew. Recognition plan decision modeling had led them to believe. <laughs> there you go. That's what that vehicle was going to be. And you make a point about we live in, right now in a panopticon, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, whenever I show all these videos, and our friend John Korea has made, made quite a, uh, a niche. Uh, there's a lot of stuff all be, being recorded now. And if it's not being recorded right off the bat, someone just walks up and shows this in, in, you, in, you, in your face. Uh, I've got a video of a post-incident in Dallas. A guy shot on a, uh, to defend himself on a train. And a guy walked up to the camera and said, sir, can I ask you a few questions? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, sir. No, sir. And then he just started talking, blabbering. Now, it's interesting enough, and this is in the video view ahead on my YouTube channel for the Street and Counter Skills and Tactics, uh, the, the context view ahead. Subsequently to this, in a grocery store parking lot, this same guy, Mr. I was in fear of my life, if I had to shoot, uh, he didn't put his cart back in the cart corral. And there's a YouTube channel called uh, Cart Narks. And they're calling him out on it. And they put a big magnetic sign on his, you know, I'm a lazy bones. And this guy came out and said, I'm fixing to put about six right in your forehead. Mr. I'm in fear of my life is now flexing o- over this situation. So you, you kind of got to, uh, be. it's all being recorded. Everything is being recorded right now. If I remember that video correctly, he even said, I'm a killer. I'm a killer. I'm a killer. Uh, I'm fixing to put about six right in your forehead. And I'm like, holy cow, buddy, that, that might not be the, the course of action. And there have been other people who have drawn down the, on the carton arcs. Uh, yeah. they, are, they are cruising for a boozing. Yeah. People, people are, you don't know what's going to set someone off. Uh, famous case over a year ago in, in Pennsylvania over the snow shoveling incident. We've all seen the video. Well, there was a long-running dispute between those two families, between those two households. And you just don't know when you're going to put that last straw on, on the camel and the back is going to break or the guy's, you know, mine is going to break. And he, well, it ended up horrifically bad. Uh, that, again, speaks back to the soft skills, which are underemphasized, I think, in the training community because you can't really quantify them with a shot timer. Uh, you can't, you can't uh, have a, a match win like I de-escalated four parking spot disputes. Yeah. There's not you don't get an award from that. Pull your de-escalation uh, off your belt and throw it at them. Exactly, <laughs> bam, take that. Uh, and, and yet, it's if you're going to be an effectively armed citizen and work, you got to have the capacity to do that. And you talk about some hard skills. Here's one for you. How about pro- properly s- securing your firearm in your home? There is a skill that is largely underappreciated. Uh, Claude Warner, our friend Claude, worked on this. Paul Sharp even had a point. 
Uh, I mean, I can't afford a gun safe. Well, how about you go down to the Lowe's and the Home Depot and buy a toolbox with a padlock on it? There, that is a that is a, a disciplined skill you need to develop. Having appropriate access to your to your to your firearm control. Uh, I'll, I'll default to a Pat Rogers quote: uh, "The car is not a holster." Yeah. And, and you know, and that's another and that's a, that's a skill failure there, to to some large extent. Yeah, I think the city of Atlanta. Uh, I think their PD put out something this week that like eighteen hundred guns this year have been stolen from cars. Yeah, and uh, and uh, how many of those subsequently turn up at crime scenes? Uh, a good uh, number or, of them, or a good number. Uh, yeah. uh, it, it's just it's 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 a it's a responsibility issue, which is I guess comes down to a to a skill is knowing how to pro- appropriately store your, your your firearm. Beyond just we all want to focus on that draw to our first best shot. Well, that's great, <laughs> uh, and then there's other skills: gear selection. Uh, I'll, I'll borrow another quote about the, the, the internet is either the information superhighway or the diff- disinformation cow path. And there's a lot of information out there. People, frankly, particularly the wave of new, new gun owners can find themselves falling into the, into the dirt back black hole quite, quite, quite quickly. Uh, we are fortunate to, to, to belong to an organization that is, uh, is pretty much the, in the standard setting for that sort of thing, uh, the, the range masters, range, Tom and Lynn, that range master, uh, others, not they get involved with ego driven instructors or market driven instructors. Again, that uh, that Instagram, Instagram marketing tool. Uh, that wow, it was really a fast shot. Wait, if you look carefully, you can see how that video was edited. And well, it's it's interesting. It's the best of times and worst of times. I think for, for the for the firearms industry, yeah, you know, talking about skills you can't quantify. Um, back in the day, many years ago, when I was a shift sergeant, um, one of my my people on my shift at the end of the day, I asked, "What did you do today?" And the response was, "Well, nothing." Their meaning was they didn't get an arrest, they didn't get whatever. I said, "No, no, no, no. That is never the answer to that question." The answer to that question is that you patrolled effectively and deterred crime. Because who's going to disprove it? You know, unless you, you know, you had exactly, eight different, exactly. yeah. And so from then on, every day at the end of the shift, I would ask this this officer that question, and they would give it right back to me. I patrolled effectively and deterred crime, and it became a little game for us. And then one day, uh, the chief just happened to walk in right at shift change and she's coming in from the parking lot and he asked her, what'd you do today? She, without batting an eye, she was upper told effectively and deterred crime and just never broke stride and just walked right past him. He turned around to me like, what? And I said, <laughs> you know, my people know what they're doing, sir. And, you know, went on around about my business. Well, here's another skill that you just can't quantify. And it's one we probably should cover leaving all right uh that uh that is a big one uh i've seen now some people call it breaking contact which kind of has a military connotation to it but there are a variety of circumstances that we should be leaving uh the first is if we've had an altercation with someone of some kind i actually i drill this in my class like hey you know what 
I think you're probably you could be right. I, I just want to leave. I'm I'm walking. Well, swallow that ego down, swallow swallow that pride, uh, and you're like and just back off and leave. If they don't let you leave, well, that's a whole other thing. Uh, another one. I had a class with Kelly McCann. I hosted him last October. This October, and he talked about if you ever find your. And we are back after those brief technical difficulties. And we were, because I know you were all eagerly awaiting to hear what John had to say. Yes. Um, if you find yourself in a circumstance where you're touching your gun and you're thinking, thank God I got my gun, that's the time to be leaving. If you got the opportunity, that's an opportunity. That's God saying, head to the door. Uh, I, my class with Farnham years ago, uh, he talked about, and I've, I've adopted this, if you're out with someone and they know the deal and they say these words, we're leaving now, there's no discussion. Your wingman has just called break right. And we're late. We're heading to the door. We're, we're break right. We're out the, we're out the door. Uh, if you find yourself in a cockpit with someone and they leave and come back, that is profoundly bad. Yeah. Because they've they've armed themselves up, or they've got they've they've got a, a, a new killer argument they want to use on you, uh, and you're looking at a guy who has failed this massively about three years ago in a parking park, parking spot dispute. Uh, I won't go into all the nitty gritty details, but the guy gave me the big, and he and he drove off, and then I went into the restaurant, and I thought, Murphy, that was kind of stupid. For all you know, the guy has now circled back to your car is wanting to bushwhack you or is keying the bejeans out of your car. If you have a conflict with someone and they leave, you should leave too. Swallow that pride and get out. I had a circumstance in Phoenix over the use of a laundry in a, in a Holiday Inn Express. And uh, I decided it was time to leave. Uh, when, when, wait till my boyfriend hears about this. Like, oh, okay. And the bottom line was a dispute over washers and dryers, and she abandoned her stuff. And uh, it, it 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 was time time to leave because you know I this guy, this guy comes down. What did you do with my girlfriend? You know I I, I moved her laundry is what I, what I did. Well, you touched my stuff. Well, don't leave your stuff in a public accommodation where other people. You know I had to go to the store. Well, how long was I supposed to wait? People devolve. Into one statement back again and again in a circle, you're not communicating. You're not. Uh, she refused to see that she may have potentially been the, the, the genesis of this little friction. She had to go to the store. I had to go to a meeting. There's only X throughput through the, through the, through the laundry. And, but when she went to my boyfriend, hears about this, I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. I had some things I wanted to say. I, I had to bite my tongue really hard. But it was like, just grab my stuff. Hop into my RV, Maslow, the hierarchy of needs, and get out. It, it's hard to do. I, I, I really wanted to stay, but I knew that were I to do so, there was going to be a conflict over some really simple, silly stuff. It just, the juice has got to be worth the squeeze. And recognizing that, that when you, when you come into a conflict, essentially, uh, you, you walk up to the roulette wheel. And they spun the wheel, and they're going to drop the ball. Red 23, prison for 10 years. 
over something stupid. Uh, and if you're harassing someone, you're buying a ticket to a destination, you're not sure. Uh, I, I, another thing people talk about is uh, third-party interventions. Uh, as, as, as you mentioned, you've alluded to, as uh, for whatever reason, society continues to devolve. Well, if I see this, I'm going to get involved. Well, are you? You can end up a hero. You can end up dead. You can end up prosecuted. There was an incident in Philadelphia some years ago. A, a guy just brand new to concealed carry, walking through Philly. Witnesses a lover spat, and they separate. And he walked up to her and said, are you okay? Dude was like, do you have a problem? And it's been my experience that when someone asks you that question in that tone of voice, you do, in fact, now have a problem. If you didn't, you do now. To, you did, yeah, you, you, yes, you do. It turned to fisticuffs. The guy got his glasses knocked off. He couldn't see. The only thing he had was that brand new, still with the, probably the price tag, still hanging off it from Gander Mountain. Six hour P226, boom, shot the, the guy down. Then it became classic. You killed my boyfriend. So involving yourself in a domestic situation. Uh, I'm not saying I won't get involved in things, but I've got definite defined criteria. And uh, on my YouTube, on my we'll plug your YouTube channel, I've got a 45-minute video on third-party interventions and examples of how ugly it can get. Uh, one woman in Indiana was witnessing a cop get beat up. So she rolled in with her pistol, shot the guy in the shoulder. Well, she clipped the subclavian artery. Dude bleeds out and dies. The police were duly thankful that, they, that their boy was saved, and they helped organize so fund me for her civil defense because she was sued by the dirtbag's family. And occasionally I circle back around to these stories and I found out the family dropped the case. At, you know, the guy was a full-on dirtbag. But, uh, you know, maybe they saw a payday. Maybe they thought, well, we, we have to do something in, the, in, in, our, in so-and-so's memory. You're buying a ticket and you're going to take a ride to a destination you don't know. Yeah, for all of the people that are listening to this and going, well, you know, she wasn't arrested, so it was justified use of force. And my state, insert state, has a civil immunity statute or whatever. Right. I think everyone needs to understand that not being arrested is not the same thing as a court of law determined that you acted in lawful self-defense. Not being convicted at criminal trial is not the same thing as the court determined that you acted in lawful self-defense. That's a completely other legal process that does not start until after on the criminal side, you've been arrested or on the civil side, the civil suit has already been filed. So you're, you're looking at legal fees regardless on that. Uh, and I, there are, there are a variety of services on the market now that will, are essentially a prepaid legal defense. Uh, I would you know, advise caveat to mTOR uh, and research who, who covers what under what circumstance. And it's interesting to watch that market change as various organizations are offering various coverages. And uh, be, be forewarned what these people will do. They will automatically renew you every year. And I think it would behoove you for due diligence every year before your thing comes up to research what the competitive products are out there to make sure you're getting the best deal. 
Uh, also, if you if you decide to have more than two, talk to an attorney and make sure that they subrogate each other. Uh, and otherwise, it can be like, hey, you, these, these guys are covering you. We're not going to do X, Y, or Z. It's it's an onion. It really yeah. is. There's a lot of layers to it. A lot of layers. And, and I think we, we are encountering, uh, as the country continues to like undergo meiosis and pull apart, uh, you've got to understand the legal environment you're operating in. Uh, what would be an absolutely righteous, no-build situation in Texas will get you jammed up to the nth degree in Massachusetts. Uh, if you have a prosecutor that's determined to make a name for themselves, uh, it, it can get ugly quickly. And it, I'll say the juice has got to be worth the squeeze. And uh, for me, it's the, the squeeze is you know, imminent loss of life or serious bodily injury. Primarily for yours truly. That's yeah. that's the big criteria. A couple of quick things on that, as far as location goes, uh, f- folks. The legal game is going to be played where the incident took place, not where you live. Mm. And if you live in a community that, by God, they give you medals for shooting bad guys, but you've gone on vacation to somewhere to, you know, to go see a, a play or, you know, go see some event or to visit grandma. Where you live aren't the rules that are going to be played. And that's not the, the social spectrum that you're going to be involved in. And, you know, I went to Ohio earlier this year to teach in the uh, Dave Spalding's range. Uh, Doug Bain was my host there at the Miamisburg Sportsman's Club, which is in Dayton. And I'm driving up I-75 North and I get to the Cincinnati area. Well, you're in Kentucky as you're approaching that because, you, you know, it's just crossing over the river to get to Cincinnati. Well, I, I took the uh, 275 West bypass and you go from Kentucky, swing out Indiana, into Ohio. And a matter of that crossed into three different state jurisdictions. No, and you're getting a rolling inter- incident out on the interstate. You may get to play fun in three different states in a, such a situation like that. To, to borrow a phrase, you cross state lines. Yep. And, right. and the other last note on that is it doesn't matter what the boys in blue and the local prosecutor may have thought at the time of the incident. If the media gets a hold of it and starts playing political football with your life, there may be an instance, because here's the thing, if the prosecutor just brings charges and loses at trial, there's, that's not the same political pressure as standing up in front of a camera and saying, I'm not bringing charges. Absolutely. And because really and truly, they're not wrong to put a question for a jury. At least not to put it in front of a grand jury. Uh, that's, that's probably a very valid point. Uh, at some point, though, the jury trial becomes the showboat Yeah. Uh, for a political cause. I mean, I mean when, when young Rittenhouse crossed, crossed state lines, yep. uh, that, that became, uh, you know, he, he, he was like Alice in Wonderland who stepped through the looking glass. And there was a, you know, a deputy attorney, uh, uh, prosecuting attorney Bing, Binger, he was the Mad Hatter. 
<laughs> he was waiting. He was, it was great. There are so many environments we have to consider the legal environment, the emotional environment you are in. Uh, you can walk into a drinking establishment, and it's obviously a gentleman's drinking establishment. You walk into another one, and you walk into another one, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, maybe a, a kind of bar that has both kinds of music, country and western. And then you walk into a Harley bar, a biker bar, and you walk into that bar and you say, you know what, Harley sucks, Honda rules. And you have just crossed environmental boundary and now you're going to have a problem. Uh, cultural environments. Waving, in some cultures, wave with the wrong hand is an insult. Uh, in the District of Columbia, you can take, you can walk, talk about state lines, you know, you're, you're salsa dancing, uh, you're in Chinatown, and, and, and then you, you, you enter, then you enter into another, another uh, honor culture environment, bam, 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 just like that. Uh, and and where, where your behavior and dress, what you're broadcasting will be interpreted entirely differently. And of course, the most important environment, I've seen vicious brawls break out over the clothing of colleges that you didn't even attend. (laughs) It it amazes me, you know, the whole tribal thing that formed around that and the people that are willing to spend time in jail or prison or the hospital over a sports thing uh in norfolk about five years ago there was a bar a sports bar and it was a uh, a rivalry game going on between the, the, the formerly known as the red the redskins and the cowboys and one sports ball team won and there was some razzing back and forth that turned physical well guy came up delivered that magic shot uh gentleman fell down hit his head dead right there over some stupid sports ball crap. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it, people will attach honor and ego to, to, to you can't you can't factor it in. Uh, that's why I don't tend to wear brand name the brand I, you can't even. Uh, I was buying for my for my for my business a, a rolling job box, so I went to a variety of Lowe's and Home Depots, and there was the Milwaukee Advocates. And, and and then the other the other t- the other advocates and I didn't buy the other and uh, these people come out to, to me out of nowhere as I'm c- comparing and contrasting between them and they're like my my boys love this job box or they, they I'm like oh my god it, it, it is that tribal and I uh, and I, I bought the best you know, best one of course but yeah you you got to be on our team yeah you got to be or or if you're not with us you're against us you know. I- one of my college degrees comes from Valdosta State. Well, Valdosta, Georgia is the home of the world's best high school football. I mean, it is a big deal. The youth league teams used to have spring practice. And there's the great crosstown rivalry there between Valdosta High School and then the county school is Lowndes County. And Valdosta are the Wildcats and Lowndes are the Vikings. And I had a job working in a, in a store that was in kind of a bad part of town. And I'm standing there at the counter one day and this old, old gentleman comes in and he is wearing a sports coat and a hat and he's on a cane. It's obviously he has gotten dressed up for the occasion. And he 
kind of stares back and he leans his head back and he looks at me and he says, is you a Viking or is you a wildcat? And I said, well, sir, I'm not from here. I grew up somewhere else. I, I'm neither. He said, that's not what I asked you. you said, is you a Viking or is you a wildcat? I said, sir, again, I grew up somewhere else. I, I did not attend either school. I'm a young man. I don't care where you grew up or where you went to school. I'm asking you a simple question. Is you a Viking or is you a wildcat? And if you answer wrong, there's a group outside waiting to baptize you. I said, sir, I have been a wildcat all my life. He says, that is the correct answer. And out the door he went. (laughs) He was probably halfway kidding he was not uh, kidding. He was, he was not kidding. <laughs> he was and not we, kidding. We've we've encountered we've encountered these uh, tribal. It, it, it permeates uh, elite society. Well, what what Ivy League school did you go to, old boy? Yes, yes. Uh, all the way down to you know, in, in Texas, football is war between city states. Yeah. There's no other at, high, at the high school level. I'm sure it sounds very similar to what you got going on there in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you'll find, I, I, as I drove through Texas, I found some, they look like fairly depressed municipality regions, but they had these football arenas. Like, um, I don't know if those kids are learning in school, but by God, those three months out of the year, they got nothing but the best possible football environment. Yep. And it's, it's war. It's war. That's very much a cultural thing that people may, may not appreciate Friday night, Friday night lights, as it were. Yeah, the the great statesman Louis Grizzard said, "It's not a game; it's our way of life versus their way of life." And <laughs> when people wrap their entire identity around something like that, uh, any threat to that becomes a threat to their entire being. And you may not be willing to die on that hill, but they may be able to. Sparta and Athens, and but you, you just made an excellent point point there about. Uh, if we project our morals, ethics, and values on someone, and they don't share our morals, ethics, and values, that gap—well, that that gap can be a, that can be a, can, a Grand Canyon. Uh, Farnham, I'll, I'll, I'll default to Master Farnham again. He, he talked years ago about we die in the gaps, and he was talking about the training gaps that that existed. And I thought about that some more. Well, there are all kinds of gaps. There's a social cultural gap. There's the, uh, the, the, the life experience gap, which probably ties in. There is a gap in, in capabilities, of physical capabilities. There are all kind, kinds of gaps that we can find ourselves jammed up into if we're not aware of them. Uh, and what, you, what, what you're outlining here, that social, cultural, tribal gap, it can be huge. Uh, examples I can think of, a kid's walking through a neighborhood and he's beset upon. You, you or, or more colloquially for you, you don't have them around here, are you? You, you cross you cross state lines or tribal lines. It can get it can get ugly quickly. Probably the the I, the, the worst I saw of that was in Somalia, where you would you would cross lines between clans. We're, we're talking little clans: Abgal, uh, Habagator, Saag, and the sub clans. And these people can look at each other and, and tell what clan they were affiliated with. It was pretty mind-boggling. And then violence, well, it's 
was pretty legendary. Yep. Uh, any question that I should have asked you about all the recognition prime decision making and all the other topics we've discussed tonight before we get to our wrap up? Uh, I think we got a pretty good handle on it. It's just people need to understand that to be an effective self-defender, armed self-defender, you've got to you got to dedicate a portion of time to it. And that time has to cover a spectrum of skills, hard and soft. And people may laugh at you. At the if you come to a range and you and you practice draw to ready issue a verbal command a few times, or various starting with well let them laugh, because you're the one that has to go has to make it home. There you go. Uh, last thing tonight, I would like to invite you to take a few minutes to honor your mentors, who wow, has been is- who has been pivotal in the formation of John Murphy. That is the I, I stand upon the shoulders of giants. I truly do. Uh, and I've been, I've been fortunate to the point of being blessed with something that brought me under wing. Uh, first would be would be Tom, Tom Gibbons, a range master. And then uh, I'm very fortunate to, uh, to have worked closely with Pat Rogers for many years. Uh, Kelly McCann. Uh, not lo- well known in, in our circles beyond, uh, but he was a big... Uh, combatives integrated kind of guy uh has been very helpful in my, in my development uh john farnham uh holy cow uh, my, and my friends and peer, peers now i'll say greg leverage uh william april craig douglas i uh, i've also come to appreciate uh, what i've learned uh from from Tatiana whitlock and uh and what she brings to the table i've learned a lot and our, our friend annette Evans. I, I, I'm not going to go into the mentorship role there, but certainly a friend that brings perspective to me. Uh, but those big names I laid out up front, uh, Tom and Pat, and, and, and probably John. To the, uh, those were the those are the foundations, the pillars that, that I built from. Uh, and then beyond that, just the people I mentioned, and there are so many many others on my website. When you on my bio, I have a, pretty much a list of everyone I've trained with. Uh, but uh, holy cow, Louis Arbach is another name I should throw out there right off, right off the up, up on the very top. It's always dangerous going down this pathway because <laughs> you leave somebody out. Check my website. Yeah, you know, it's, you mentioned Kelly McCann, and something he wrote resurfaced in the last week or two on all the various Facebook groups and everything. And I saw somebody taking the task what he'd written. And it was obvious they had no idea who he was and the impact he had in the era in which he was active. Oh, and he's still he's still out there, right? And the be- the best uh, way that was described, someone chimed in. People don't know him, but even as old as he is, he can hurt you so he can hurt you bad, as like like change the way the, the way you live the rest of your life bad. And uh, I had him in class. And he can hit me three times, you know, three times before I can blink. And he might weigh about a buck sixty-five right now. Rest assured, every ounce in that buck sixty-five is focused at that one spot. And he can punch the bejeez out of someone. Uh, he's a profoundly dangerous man, but you you would never really know. You would you never know, really know. I've not met him. I've not had the opportunity to train with him, and I would love to rectify that. Um, and it's funny, I didn't discover the open enrollment training world until really 2014. But I remember as a 
young cop, you know, early 2000s or whatever, these video cassettes floating around. And you probably going to be all this, you know, amazing stuff fighting in and around the car. Right. And, okay, that guy was out there preaching the gospel and and integrating the whole, you know, combatives with firearms, with, with everything that's involved long before that became the norm, if it is even really the norm. Uh, I, I, I got to say, uh, I think Craig Douglas made a comment like, yeah, you know, this is a guy, the first guy he encountered that had answers to his questions. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward very much. I think we're going to see a collaborative effort. Uh, I, 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 that's a class I'll take time out to attend. Absolutely. Yeah, I suspect that will sell out rather quickly. Oh, within milliseconds, yeah. Be 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 quick or be dead. Well, speaking of classes that should be selling out immediately, where can people find John Murphy on the internet and around John the country? Murphy, I got my website as fpftraining.com. When you go there, you'll see a link, FPF on the road. You click on that link, and there's little icons all across this great land of ours. Uh, in 2021, I taught at 25 different venues. I'm scheduled right now for 2022 to teach at 40. And that is uh, north to south, east to west, all across this great land of ours. Uh, from the very tip of Florida to uh, south of Seattle, down to L.A. and all points in between. Uh, the class I'm doing exclusively on the road is my street encounter skills and tactics class. And that starts with a five-hour video view ahead that's open right now for the, for the public at YouTube. Go to FPF Training uh, on YouTube, and you're looking for Beat and Cover Skills and Tactics series. I think there's like 13 videos there, and uh, it's pretty comprehensive. Uh, and then I show up, uh, and we just start doing – uh, this year I moved everything is, is online, video view ahead, the lecture bit. So we show up, we roll running the skills. A lot more verbalization coming up this year, uh, deconfliction, de-escalation, if appropriate, and more departure. I call it departure drills. I am leaving. I, I, I want none of this. You, have, a, have a pleasant day. And by the way, when you say, don't say, have a nice day, okay? Because those words mean things. Uh, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Same two words. Be mindful how you say them. Uh, and I integrate a lot of skills into the class. I've got some pretty novel means to stimulate people. Uh, and I, I, I like to think, you know, here I'm pushing 60. And Craig refers, you know, among the best in the next generation of instructors. <laughs> catch me all you can, folks. The, 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 the decline has already begun. Well, that's because you're going to live to be doing this at 85. So that's the. You know, I, I, I told John Farnham that he is my canary in the coal mine. And he is still hitting it pretty hard at seventy four, so I, I think I'm doing I'm doing all right. Yep. Uh, I'm not much on Instagram. I'm I'm, I'm gonna rectify that, but uh, fpftraining.com and the website and FPF training on YouTube. All right, well, folks, uh, I can promise you that if you go to John's class, this these topics we've all talked tonight aren't just window dressing. And like, you'll see the course description and for a lot of the classes, and then there'll be like one 30 second blurb about it out the class. Oh yeah. We checked that box and we covered it. Uh, John's actually going to drill you and everything that he's preaching and teaching. And you will have um, 
preloaded skills so that when you recognize those decisions, you've got something to fall upon. Uh, one of the phrases I love to use is for the older generation that I am in myself now, um, the blue screen of death. Remember the old, you know, Windows DOS-based computers, and you get that little flash of light in the middle of the screen, and then it would just turn that thing of blue, and your hard drive would crash. Yeah. And you know what John's going to teach you to do is avoid that blue screen of death. And I actually have some working options. That's an outstanding, outstanding class. And get out there and, and focus on skills other than just those immediate hard skills that you can quantify with a timer or a score on a target. Well, we thank you very much for the time this evening. I've really appreciated this little chat we've had. You've got more out of me than I thought I had. <laughs> well, you know, it's always fun to talk to you. You are the older brother that I didn't really want, but I'm kind of glad I have. <laughs> Killing me. <laughs> All right. And, you know, to the audience, uh, the last two weeks have been just record-breaking uh, on the numbers. Uh, two weeks ago, I was excited that the average 30-day play of the podcast feed had finally topped 300. Uh, we've had like over 60 uh, point jump in that average in just the last two weeks. And I'm sure John is going to continue that. Uh, Cecil Birch is up next week and he's like, well, the streak had to end sometime. So I'll be here to make sure that happens. So, uh, uh, but John, uh, thank you for your time tonight and to the audience. Uh, remember, as we always ask you to do, share the link with your smart friends, but don't share it with the dumb ones. And most importantly, thank you for your time. <laughs>